Hi, everybody. This is Danny with another episode here. And I'm I'm shaking with excitement to talk with this guy, uh, Rich Bracconi. Hi, Rich. Hey, Danny. So nice that you're making the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to throw some words at you just to describe you. And I have words like self-taught international spirit medium, medical intuitive, spiritual philosopher, best-selling Amazon author. How do you like to describe yourself to people? Humble. I don't humble. know if those were, <laughs> I don't know if those words do it, but yeah, humble. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's very hard to describe sort of, uh, first of all, let me tell my audience that I've known you for, I think about 10, 12 years now. It's been a long time since I've seen you and you look exactly the same. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Uh, my ego thanks you too. <laughs> you must have a good you must have a good exercise program. Um but you know basically I mean the words spirit medium are very a lot of people are are skeptics and turned off by that term so I hate to even call you that. Yeah. But um basically what you do you do a lot of things but you know you are known in our area in New Jersey of having these amazing sen seminars where you talk uh, with, with spirits and you actually, you know, I, I'll share a few things that I experienced with you, but basically, I mean, there's so many things to talk with you about. And I, I, I think I did a good jo a job about like breaking it down here. I'm sure you did. I have yeah. confidence in you. Yes. Okay, good, good. And I'm sure you'll be challenging sometimes too. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that you are tuned into, let's say, a frequency, shall we say, that many of us are not. Um, and so, first of all, let me ask you this, like a little bit of your background. I know you've talked about this before, but since you're new to my audience, I know that you've had, you were sort of living kind of a quote-unquote normal life, quote-unquote. Quote-unquote. Um, ended up being sort of an undercover cop for a narcotic. Uh, can you sh share with us a little bit of what you used to do and and how you got to be where you are now, sort of? Yeah. Um, so thanks. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, prior, um, the last 15 years, when I say prior, the last 15 years, I've been leading a life where I'm kind of using... Um, my personal experiences to prove whether or not there's a universal communication that's spiritual inside of all people. You know, does God really exist? Does love really exist? Um, prior to those 15 years, I spent 27 and a half years as an undercover narcotic detective, also a criminal investigations detective. Yeah. Uh, I was on a SWAT team. I was part of the entry team on a SWAT team, and I had my own martial arts business for you know, almost 20 years. So here's this yeah. life that I'm moving out of and going into uh, a life where it's all about peace and love and tranquility. And the prior life was, you know, the martial artist is all about fighting. You know, being a police officer is all about, you know, when you're on the streets and you're buying drugs from people, like those are all like situations where, fights or violence can break out at any given time whatsoever. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I imagine it's very hard to find love and tranquility when you're uh, working on a, a, a drug deal. <laughs> very um, much so. It's so remarkable that you had that kind of life. And did you, and so 
so so maybe maybe the good question now is to ask what what started to happen did you start how did you start to feel that there was something more for you to do and how did that transpire um i was in my mid-40s at the time and i was kind of at a low point in my life so i was divorced from michelle i was by myself inside of a an apartment that i could barely afford there was people that lived over top of me. Yeah. Um, the person I, who lived over top of me, they, uh, one of the members in the family, I just locked up in a police raid that I was part of. I was tens of thousands of dollars in debt. Um, my whole family disconnected from me. I was away from my daughter. And I was at this low point in my life where I said I wasn't very proud of the choices I made. And so... I started reevaluating my life. Is there a better way of, or is there another option than what I was taught by my parents and my religion and society that I can make choices that will produce more harmony and unity and synchronicity in my life than what I previously did. So I kind of turned to a hope that there was a God and somewhere inside of all people, there's a voice that we can listen to that would offer us a guidance much different than what I've been following previously. And that was my starting point. That's unbelievable. I mean, that is so moving just to hear you say that. So when that started to happen to you, you started to kind of, what was the, this is a big question. And, and forgive me if I ask you big questions and you could tell me to shut up if you don't feel like answering them. <laughs> but, but I've had a lot, first of all, I've had a lot of, low moments in my life. I've had a history of depression. And I think I even reached out to you a few years ago when I was really not doing well. So I know, I know those kinds of points. Um, but when that happened to you, did you, how, what started to happen? Did you kind of get quiet with yourself and you started to, to listen to, you started to feel a higher power talking to you? Is that what happened? Actually? Well, kind of in a way, but I, I think an education had needed to come first. So I started with not knowing if any of this was true that I was searching for. So I started to look at my idea of what a God is. And part of my idea of what a God is, is that God always speaks the truth. And there's some kind of universal truth that would exist amongst all people. And so I started looking at my life in a truthful way. And when I started looking at my past moments and the things I was proud of and the things I wasn't proud of, I came to this like moment of inspiration that I had two voices of guidance inside of me. And it just struck me as really, really strongly. And I said that there's this one voice that always knew the loving thing to do. It always knew the right thing to do. And it asked me to show courage in doing the loving thing and speaking the truth. And then there was this voice that always followed it, and it seemed to resist that first voice, and it would talk me out of what I knew what was true, or what I knew was right for myself, or what I knew was loving for myself. And I said, that's me thinking. I said, what if my first voice is my spirit? What if that's really, really true? And what if I just started to pay more attention to it or had more faith in it? Would I have more moments of being inspired with the right thing and the good thing to do in my life. And is that a way of changing it? And that's where I started. 
Yeah, I love that. First of all, I love that thought that we are spiritual beings rather than thinking human beings. And that is something that I think a lot of people struggle with. I mean, I I always tell my I always tell people, I tell myself that the best moments in life are where we're not thinking. Yes. Yes. I mean, and and uh, but to achieve that, I don't know, it takes practice, it takes how did you how did you start to kind of quiet the mind? Cause you didn't have any tools. You didn't, you were just kind of going by intuition, right? See, I, and I didn't have any background, nor did I believe in any of this. So I had nothing to turn to and reference. So again, I'm isolated. I'm depressed. I'm by myself. I'm tens of thousands of dollars in debt. And so I'm sitting there and I'm saying, you know, how do you even begin? And so what I did was I just showed, I started to show, faith that this was true. That was the first thing. I stopped pretending that a spiritual part of me didn't exist. So the first thing was showing faith in that and putting faith in it. So then what I did is I said, well, if my brain is something separate from my spirit. It's two different things. I'm really a spirit and my brain was purposely designed in our human creation to offer resistance. And when I looked at it, it's exactly was true. How many times did it tell me to do unloving things? How many times did it tell me to lie, to manipulate uh, my words, to yeah. falsely represent myself, to violate people's free will, to be controlling in life? And I was like, that makes complete sense. So I said to myself, if I just focused on not thinking, could I do that? And I did it for 30 seconds, and then my brain kicked back in. Sure. But here was my question now. What power did I just use to quiet my brain for 30 seconds? What part of me had that ability to quiet my brain when my brain was resisting it the entire time? And finally, it took it 30 seconds to regain its dominance over my life. What power did I possess? And I said, what if that was my spirit and that was the will of my spirit? What if that was my spiritual will to do the self-loving thing? Yes. I mean, I'm I'm thinking I'm, I can only relate that to for me for meditation. I've been meditating. I've been doing TM, which is where you're giving a sound and you're able to kind of quiet the brain by listening to the sound. Sure. It's probably very different from what you're talking about, but that's sure. that's the way that I know how to quiet my brain. Sure. Um, but do you think it's all the same thing? It's just different ways to get there. Well, I think it's important not to use an outside device. Like you can drink a lot and quiet your brain. You can smoke a lot of pot and quiet your brain. You can blast sound into your ear, like you were saying, and quiet your thinking. So, yeah, there's different ways, but we shouldn't rely on those. We should encourage the growth of our spiritual will to increase. So that's what I did. So I tried to quiet my thinking for a longer period of time to see if I saw an increase. So I showed faith that I really had a spirit, that God existed, and I was asking for help. And I did it for a minute. I actually increased the amount of time that I first could do it. So my brain was still resisting, but I increased it. So now I said, okay, did I just increase the will of my spirit? Is faith a nourishment for my spirit? What if I showed faith in my thinking? Did I nourish it to its growth over the past 44 years to, to make it the dominant voice? Can I shift my faith and then make my spirit my dominant voice? And so it went longer. I did it for five minutes, then seven minutes, then 10 minutes, then an hour. Then I would go to work 
and my job and still do the same thing. Now, the here's what was the coolest thing that happened to me. Yeah. When I did it, Danny, and I put myself where I quieted my brain without me trying to do this, I shifted into a state of peace. And I looked at that as a reward from God. God going, I designed this, Rich. If you yeah. if you turn towards me in your spirit, if you start to shift towards a voice of love, mm -hmm. I designed a reward for you to experience and know you're going in the right direction. And that's a state of peace. Yeah. And it the state makes sense to me. Yeah. The state of peace was validating and, and proving to you that you were on the right track. 100%. Yeah. And that God existed, that there was a design that I had to learn that I wasn't taught. So I always said, we're just spiritually unlearned. Yeah. About ourselves. No, we're not taught that. So if there is a design and I understand it, if I grow this education of what's universally truthful in all people, if I just focus on that, am I focusing on a God design? And that's all I did. And it grew and blossomed from there. So let me just stay, stay with me on this one point, the actual, actually quieting the mind, because I think people are asking in their heads, how does he quiet the mind? If well, let me, let me, let me pause you for a second. Your mental thinking is different than your mind. It's two different things. Let's 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 say let's say what's the difference is. So your mental thinking is a process given to your brain for you to come up with answers without your spiritual help or help from God. And it's not aligned with love. It'll guide you to do unloving things, to be controlling in life. Right. When when you shift, like you meditate, yes, and you shift into a state of peace and your brain is quiet. Your spirit and your brain is back to its original harmony. And now a yeah. visual mind gets created. So you're going to be inspired with images, visions that you have to interpret in order to tell a truthful story. And so that's how, that's all I ever did was I learned about a visual mind and about when my brain is quiet, it returns back to its harmony with our spirit. And they're walking in harmony with one another. And that opens up a channel of information that only your spirit can receive. Yeah. So, so there's a lack of resistance from your spirit when it's back in harmony. As long as your brain is thinking on its own and you empower it with your faith, then what's going to happen is that its resistance is going to be stronger. It's going to have the ability to talk you out of doing the loving thing for yourself. Okay. I'm asking a very primitive question is, what how do you quiet your brain how if you don't use an external source like a sound like i do uh -huh. how do you do you just try to achieve a state of complete because the brain is always going to think about something isn't nope. it nope because i changed it i can only do it for 30 seconds and now i completely shifted myself where i don't know how to think on my own anymore well i i love that but how, so what, what does your brain think? I mean, what, so what, what, how could you describe it? Is it a complete nothingness? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a state of peace that you're in that evolves into a state of quietness. When you're quiet, think about like, you know, do you ever talk to somebody, Danny, and they're speaking to you, but you don't hear a damn word they're saying. Yeah. You blank all them out. Time. All the time. That's an ability. <laughs> <laughs> that describes 90% of my relationships. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you can, you can, you can do that. You have this ability to quiet yourself or distance yourself from anything physical around you. Yes. 
So I would then practice that state. I would blast the TV. I would blast the radio. I would get into a state of peace and I would disconnect myself from the physical world. Just like when you talk to someone and you disconnect yourself from that voice. Okay. Then I realize that's an ability of my spirit. I'm showing again, the will of my spirit to disconnect from the physical to get to the spiritual. So now I'm seeing an advancement. Okay. So then after that comes a stillness. That means you slow your life pace down to such a point where you're living in the moment. And then when you live in that moment, that's the spiritual state that all people in spirit, all things in spirit is. But let me go back to your question. The first, the first thing you have to acknowledge that you're a spirit, that your spirit is inside of this human body and it has an intelligence. That's the first thing. Second, only your spirit is connected to a higher wisdom. Your brain's not. That's the okay. second thing you have to acknowledge. Three, love is a universal communication designed to govern everybody's life equally. That if you listen to doing the loving thing, you're, that guidance that you're being offered, if you demonstrate it in life, you're going to be connected to people, jobs, professions that you have been predestined to work out with in an amazing way. One more thing. You have to change your goals in life. Instead of pursuing a goal of being recognized by people, yeah, um, having more money, something that people make, having a nicer house, something that people, people make, you have to shift your focus because God exists and your spirit is in connection with God, that you're here to evolve. That means you have to become spiritually more of what you already are. Kindness, compassion. But the main thing is love and use it as a guidance. So you're going to have a natural love for things, right? You're going to be naturally drawn to certain things over other people. Like you have a certain hobby and profession. You There's others that you chose not to be participate in. Oh, yeah, a lot. Because yeah. you got drawn to it. Right, right. That's not your choice. That's not a yeah. choice you make. It's something you're following because you're being drawn to something that's a spiritual connection anything you have a natural interest in anything you are naturally curious about those are all ways of being drawn spiritually to something what you have a natural love for is never your choice you'll never you know get you don't get that choice it's a guidance you're receiving right it's like you love what you love but you don't get to choose it you can't say i'm going to love this profession and then you're going to be in love with it right you're going to be guided before that yeah you're going to say like nope i can't do this i have to do this and you want to yeah. say to yourself why yeah. Why so, why can't I choose what I want to love? Why am I being guided to something different? And here's why, because everybody has a predestined life. Yeah. Well, I believe that I love, for example, I love performing and I love acting. And I, yes. I think I think I love it, A, because I have a gift for it, and B, I can make other people feel good. So it's like a it's like a win-win, you know. What's that mean when you have a gift for something? Well, uh, a talent for it or something. Uh, I mean, I'm 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 connected to it through. I mean, for many reasons. But my point my point is, is that I I used I used to think that I was very selfish. Like, I'm going to go on stage. People are going to look at me. But it's really also enhancing other people's lives because they get to laugh and they get to experience something outside of themselves. So I so I I've come to accept that it's a win win situation. You know what I mean? 100%. Yeah. And maybe that was maybe that was your predestined path because you said it a gift 
It was just something you naturally love. Don't look at it as a gift because everybody has these, what you have a natural love for. So it's not a gift. It's something that you're being predestined to do and look at the life lessons you're learning from it all. Yeah, absolutely. So again, just to stress this point, when, when when one wants to quiet themselves and to start doing this kind of work, inevitably thoughts are going to come into their head. And then meditation, they say, oh, just just look at them as clouds and just go back to the sound or whatever your or your breath or whatever you're focusing on. What would you say to people when you like what would you when you have thoughts, what would you do to to not listen to them? One, you have to you have to speak the truth. So the truth is your brain is not you. So there's people in spirit after you cross over. Right. They exist. The people that I talk to, they're intelligent. They'll tell me details about their living loved ones. They're showing that they never needed a body to begin with, nor is anything physical ever considered to be you as a spirit. So the first thing you want to say to yourself is, wait, I'm a spirit and that's not me. It was designed to create a resistance. Now, this is something that everybody has. Because if you're here to evolve yourself and you have free will. Yeah. You have yeah. the freedom to choose wisely. So your well, brain is here. Your brain is here to say, yeah, but in order for you to have a choice, I have to be the part of you that's going to give you the opposite choice. Yes. Because if it wasn't there, you would only have one choice to make, which is always to do the loving thing. So now yeah. God designed going here. I'm going to put this. This is not you. So that's the first thing you want to say is brain's not me. So anytime you even say this, for instance. I believe this is true. That's an incorrect statement. What you want to say when you include the fact that you're a spirit and you have an intelligence and that's separate from your thinking, you want to say this, my brain is telling me what it believes to be true, but that's Mm -hmm. not me. I get to choose whether I want to follow what my brain is telling me to do. Yeah. Well, first of all, Let's just stop for a second, because that's that's an amazing distinction that a lot of people don't even get to realize. For example, when I was very, very depressed, it was very hard for me to believe people would tell me it's not you're you're not depressed. They're, I mean, you're depressed, but you are not the depression. Right. I mean, psychiatrists try to tell me this and I and I wouldn't believe them because right. I felt depressed and I was stuck in this hole. Right. And um, and it was very hard for me to say to myself. I am not depression is just part of me. I am not the depression. Right. But so, but, but now that I'm not depressed, I can easily say it's like a disease. Like someone has a broken leg. That's not, that doesn't define who they are. They just have a broken leg. Correct. So what it's, I think it relates to what you're saying that we are not our brains. That's a very, that's a very important point to make. I just wanted to, to, yes. yeah. Cause a lot of people don't really see that. Can I, can I add to this? Please. Term? Please. Because of what you're saying, which is absolutely amazing. I'm so glad you you brought that up. When I was at that low point in my life, I went through a depression. I couldn't brush my teeth. That's how depressed I was. I wore the same clothes every day for a week and a half because I could. I was so depressed I couldn't. But I still went to work and I still try to manage myself. And what pulled myself out of it is when I started to get envisioned have a a proper vision of my true human creation, where I'm a spirit, my brain is next to me, offering me resistance. It's also offering me answers that aren't based on the truth and not real. 
That means yes. it's going to, it doesn't have the ability to progress my life. When you can't progress your life or you don't have the right answers, you lose hope. Right. When you lose hope, you get depressed. Right. So it's not a depression that you had. It's a depression that you experienced because your spirit is following a source of a of, of voice of guidance that lacks the wisdom to give you the proper answers. But that's a good response to have because you want to get to the point where you go, I'm no longer listening to you. You couldn't prove yourself to be true. You couldn't prove yourself worthy enough for me to listen and respect your voice anymore. I'm going to follow a different voice, which is what I did. Well, that's very deep. And there's a lot to chew on that one. <laughs> um, but absolutely. I mean, well, you know, for me, I mean, that whole story of depression is a whole other, which yeah. I, I, yeah. we won't get into that, but that's a whole other. For me, it was like, I just want to say that when I got better, it, it was kind of mysterious. It was like a, a switch just turned on in my brain. Yes. And, and, I, and, 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 and I can't explain it. I can't, I can't explain it. It's called enlightenment. You had a I moment of enlightenment. I suppose. You saw but I things from a different viewpoint, from a different perspective now. Yeah, but I don't know how I got there. That's the weird thing. Like, it just kind of happened. You know what I mean? Same thing with me. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And I think I think there is mysterious things that we can't explain, but we just, they just happen without our cognition, without our our brain figuring it out. Somehow my body figured it out for me. Nope, your spirit did. My spirit did. Okay, my spirit figured it out. Okay. Yeah, that's once, see, that's what I mean. Once you include it into the, your equation of your analysis of your situations, it all starts to make sense. And yeah. what if you, as long as you don't include it in your analysis of who you are, you're going to be left in the dark. Yeah, you're stuck without the spirit. I got you. Yes, because yeah. that's part of the equation because it exists. Yeah. Well, let's go back for a second. So you said, I said, when, when the thoughts come and how to, how to, so you said the first thing to do is to realize your brain is not, you're yeah. not your brain. Yes. And then is there another component to that to stop the thoughts from coming or? First thing is acknowledging what's true. So, and showing faith in that. So okay. you're going to start an inner voice. This is going to start your spiritual voice. So you have your thinking, you'll call that a voice. It's constantly telling you things to make you depressed. It's finding, and one, and you and I, I think we talked about this before. One of the greatest tactics your brain uses is fear. Absolutely. So, humongous, yeah. Yeah, humongous. Fear, yeah. It knows it, it was designed this way. Don't forget, God designed it this way to create a fear. But what it's actually telling you is, about itself it's going i can't see the future yeah so my job is to control the future but if i can't control something i have a fear of it yes right so if it can't so what happens is like for instance for instance say you had a fear of speaking not that you do right but you had a fear of speaking right i have and a fear so of listening more than speaking <laughs> <laughs> but yeah fear of speaking i'm with you so now you're standing in front of this audience and you're about to do it and you're really good at whatever you're about to speak about. Like you have a great knowledge about it, but then your brain is going, creating a fear so that you yeah. don't go out there. And so right. when you ask it, when you look at this situation, you don't have a fear of speaking because you speak all the time in front of people. Yeah. You speak to your friends. So it's not that. 
It's the fact that you can't control how they're going to how the audience is going to respond to what you're saying. Absolutely. That's what you have a fear of. But right. now, so so then you have to hold on to that and know what your brain is actually saying. You don't have a fear, your spirit. It's your brain going, I can't control these people to produce the outcome that I selfishly want for myself. I have a fear. So I'm going to tell you not to go there. Now, when you realize you're a spirit, that you have a higher and superior intelligence that's based, that often you get guided to do what's based on love, such as your profession or something. You know you've been guided for this opportunity. This is a moment for you. You're supposed to do it. And you, you're good at what you say. And you just show faith in it. And then you go out there and you talk and something clicks and it goes over great. Yes. So that's what I did. I learned, I said to myself, I'm going to use myself as an experiment. If what I'm saying is true, that there's a, a spiritual intelligence in me, but also a, a mental voice of guidance in me, I'm going to go against what my mental voice of guidance is showing me a fear of and see if it still works out. And every single time I did, it always worked out. And I said, liar. I called it a liar. Yeah. And I'm well, tired of listening or basing my life on answers that aren't really meant or ever intended to guide me in a loving way. Yeah, that's so interesting. So I think what you're saying is when you focus on your spirit or when you focus on what your spirit wants or or needs, or, I mean, it kind of takes away the equation of like, how are people going to react to you? Because that's, you're not focusing on that. You're no, yeah. Which is a really beautiful thing. And I, I totally, I totally, you're articulating things that we know, but you're saying it in a very good way. So this is great. In addition, in addition to, if I could just add one more little equation that yeah. should be helpful to people, right. That yeah. are listening and stuff. Yeah. When you remember the three things, you're a spiritual intelligence. You're connected to a higher wisdom, God, a creator, a spirit, whatever you want to call it. And love is a universal communication that governs everybody's life equally. So what you want to focus on is that always, always just look at love as a voice of God. So God yeah. speaks to all people as love. So every time you're guided in a direction that you sense a love for or you sense an interest in or you sense an enthusiasm about that sense that you're using is a force that's trying to unite you with a predestined path. You were meant to do this. Not only were you meant to do it, but it was designed and predestined to work out for you. You're going to be received well. And I had to learn that. I had to learn that I was never going to be placed by what I sense a love for in a situation that wasn't already acknowledging that I was ready to do this in an amazing way. I would never be put in a position that I wasn't ready for. And so that's how, what I relied on when I first started doing demonstrations in front of like 30 people of mediumship. I had to rely on that. And I said, and I use it as an experiment going, if everybody laughs at me and I'm mocked and I'm ridiculed by 30 people that I've never met before and I've never met their loved ones in spirit, if I'm, then so be it, then God doesn't exist. And that's not what happened. Yeah, that well, that that is so interesting. It's almost, I mean, yeah, I don't even want to say anything beyond that because that is that is great. Um, let's let's take a break from all this. Uh, I want to tell people how I even know you. Okay. Oh, cool! I love the story. 
Um, I, I don't even think you remember the story because I happened. remember I remember the gist of the story, but not all the details. Yeah, I won't even do all the details because I don't. Oh, want you this. can. Well, I could. Show. You I, can talk all you want. No, I know, I know, but it's not. It's, <laughs> I know it's 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 my show. Damn it! <laughs> no, no, but it, but you know, it's not it's not about me. It's about the listeners. But uh, basically, um, about ten years, twelve years ago, I was in a real. I was freaking out. I was about to go to Israel. Uh, for a relationship. And this was a woman that I knew in in fifth grade and sixth grade in Israel. I grew up in Israel and then I didn't see her for 35 years, but I thought about her. And then suddenly we connected again. And then I thought, wow, maybe this is God telling me that I should go back to Israel and be with her and 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 and, and go full circle. So anyway, that's a whole story in itself. But I'm freaking out. She was with me for three months, and it was trial and error. I never lived with a woman before, so it was really trying. And then I told her, let's give ourselves a month. You go back to Israel. I'll close up my apartment, and I'll join you in Israel. Uh, during that month, I start <clears throat> to feel signs of depression and anxiety, and I don't know what to do. Like, I'm starting to really go downhill. Now, prior to that, how was your relationship with her? Did she move in with you? She, 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 she lived in Israel, but she came here to the states and my and my little apartment here for three months. So you were living with her for three months. Yeah, here in the states, and, and how, that was sort of. And during yeah. that time, well, the first month was great. Second month became really trying. I've never lived with anybody before, and then a lot of differences that we had were glaring. She was yes. very analytical, and I'm more playful, and. I mean, we loved each other, but a lot of differences showed up. Yeah, and I now believe that we weren't meant to 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 be together. Right. Uh, but it was a lesson that I had to learn. Um, I I guess that's the only way I could look at it. I mean, we're still in touch. We're still in good terms. Um, but it was so. I mean, living here with her was insanely claustrophobic, but also loving at the same time. Uh, she didn't know anybody here. So it was almost like, you know, I came home from work and she didn't know anybody. So I was her whole life. And it was, uh, it was, it was a lot of things. Um, but then I, I still loved her enough to say, hey, I think I want to give this a try in Israel where she belongs. That's where her whole life is. So during that month when she's away, I'm starting to really go downhill. And I, I and then and so somebody tells me about you. And uh, this is maybe a week before my flight. And I'm already like in bad shape. So I come to you. This is this is very dramatic, man. I love it. I love it. It's very dramatic. So I come to your seminar here in Kingston, New Jersey, and I was a last minute addition. Like you're, oh, you're, you're at Diana Warren's place. That's right. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Good. Exactly. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> who is a energy medicine uh, practitioner here in, 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 in my town. And uh, so the point is I, 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 my name wasn't even on the list because I was a last minute. I just came to the door. So for the skeptics out there, there's no way that you could have known my name or know or Google me or know anything about me. Like you didn't know I was coming. So, <clears throat> you know, so then I'm sitting there with the audience and you're, you're starting to do readings with, uh, you know, loved ones that have passed away. And I'm really, it's very interesting just to witness that. But then you look at me about 30 minutes in and you say, you're very interesting. And then you say the word Jerusalem right away. And now, now, now my brain is exploding. <laughs> like, how the hell does he know about Jerusalem? Like, how does he know? Like, I'm about to move to Jerusalem. Right, correct. So now I'm like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. Like, I, I, I can't, this guy is really onto something. And then a half an hour later, you come back to me and um, 
you know, you told me a lot of things that were accurate. What, what, I mean, you know, my father, I had a tough relationship with my father and he was a a rabbi. And you, you said, I see a very, uh, you know, authoritative or, 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 you know, a, a person of religious authority. Is he a priest? And I said, no, he's a rabbi, but pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> pretty close. Uh, and then you actually proceeded to say, when my girlfriend was here, she was uh, creating jewelry, and we were going to places to market the jewelry around New Jersey. And um, so he, you said, my father is holding up a piece of jewelry and saying, look, this is what this is what he's trying to do, which is like, you know, so amazing. First That's of all, that's cool. It's so cool. And it's so amazing that my father did a loving thing like that because that wasn't my relationship with my father. My father right. and I were very antagonistic. And then there were a lot of other issues that you were incredibly accurate about. So I just want to tell people that experience because, I mean, there was there's no way that you would have known that I'm going to Israel. You didn't even know who I was. <laughs> and I'm sure you have a lot of stories of your own, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, but it is it is really quite remarkable. Um, I, so I just I just uh, and then and then I went to your house in Hamilton when you were in Hamilton, and we had another thing about my mother. Um, just very, and 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 what you're saying to me to to bring it back to you, you're saying that this all started from connecting with your with your spiritual self and and your faith, which is amazing. From from seeking the truth about my own human creation. Yeah. Wow. And all I did in the equation was I stopped pretending that I wasn't a spirit. I stopped pretending that God really didn't exist. And I stopped pretending that love wasn't a crucial communication. I just yeah. included that in my equation and analysis of myself. And then again, when I saw those two voices, you know, I was inspired to see that. I just started proving it. And then once I saw the proof of it, because I could quiet my brain for a longer period of time. Yeah. That's when I became aware of the state of peace and everything just kept on clicking right from there. It's a slow progress progress. Yeah. It's yeah. nothing that is going to satisfy how you want life to unfold. You have to learn to surrender yourself to a pace in life that is not going to equal how you want things to unfold. That's part, though, of your spiritual growth of doing that, learning that there is a pace in life where you have to accept this um, this process and be patient with it. Well, for you, let's go back to what happened to you. So you you got to a point where you said to yourself, I'm going to quit my I think you quit before you got a pension. Is that right? No, that's not true. Oh, okay. Okay. So you okay, because I that that would have been a great story. Well, but you know, to 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 change it a little bit is um I passed a sergeant's test and I was in the top I was under the top 10. And so or I was within the top 10 and I was up to be sergeant. And instead of staying there, because I had to make a choice now, am I going to surrender myself to being pulled in this direction? Because I really was. And or do I stay there for the money and stay there for an added responsibility and a recognition by other police officers? And I chose this path and I, I, I ended my career after 27 years. I have a pension, but I ended yeah. my 27 years. But that was my moment of choice. Do yeah. I do I choose that <clears throat> or this? 
So what happened? Did you just kind of stop it? And then you went into a period of like introspection and trying to figure out what this whole spiritual life was about? I, I, again, in a nutshell, you're yeah. learning to surrender soul control and ownership over your life. If our spirit is really in unity and harmony with a higher power, if it's true, which it is, you have to learn how to surrender trying to control life on your own. That's a big step. And so this was a moment where I was actually proving my faith in all of this. Yeah. And not knowing where it was going to go. I never wanted to do readings for people. I never wanted to do mediumship galleries. I never, I started off doing medical intuition galleries for people for like a year and a half. I couldn't even talk to people in spirit yet. Right. So what, what, the process what do you, that took place, yeah. What do you mean by being a medical intuitive? What does that mean? The, the first thing that happened to me is I started to have more moments of inspiration because um, I, uh, I was being a student of my own human creation and about love about the real purpose of why everybody has this universal communication love, actually unconditional love, and how it governs everybody's life equally. Like it gives everybody equal opportunities to be amazing and to reach our full potentials. But we don't recognize that as a really divine communication, and we should. And so the first thing I learned for about a year and a half is this philosophy and how it pertains to all people equally. And my words change, my mannerisms change, my pace in life started changing, my viewpoints, my perspective, all that was necessary. Yeah. But every time I did it, I was I was involved in a communication when I was talking to a higher wisdom that applies to anything else in life. And I didn't realize it at the time. So after about a year and a half of doing it, I suddenly started seeing medical imbalances in people. Huh. And so I said, I'm crazy. I said, that's that's not normal. So I would go up to them and I would say, hey, I apologize. They were usually some kind of friends or or once removed friend of mine. <laughs> I said, but did you ever have your gallbladder removed? And people would say like, yes. And so I was like, no way, because now I'm using my life to prove this. And yeah. that's that's the faith where you have to prove it. And then I would go to the next person and I would say, did you ever have a heart surgery? And they would say, yes. Uh -huh. And it just kept on progressing to the point where I started seeing cures for people. And during the highlight of all of this, after about six months or eight months of just doing free readings for people, I actually got inspired with the cure that um, bought somebody from having stage four pancreatic cancer, and they gave uh -huh. him four weeks to live, to curing him six weeks later, where he walked out of the hospital and lived in an amazing life. The doctor said there's no way, told the family, he's dying in four weeks, he was on morphine. I actually got inspired with three things that when the son gave him, six weeks later, he slowly regained his strength, he slowly regained his ability to talk again, he slowly regained his ability to walk, and walked out of the hospital six weeks later, and the doctors tested him and said, you're cancer-free, and, and my friend said to him, to the doctors in Philadelphia, how's that possible? And they said, we don't have an explanation. So can you be specific? Like, can you tell us what the cure was or? Yeah, there was, um, there was three different things. It was a specific herb that I got inspired with. Remember, I didn't know any of this stuff. I didn't even know what an herb was. 
So a specific herb, it was a specific kind of liquid that contained a high level of oxygen in it and a, a certain kind of um, probiotics that or microorganisms that um, that feed your body, that fuel your body. Do you remember the name of the herb? Just curious why. Blood root. Blood root. Yeah. So you and anybody could have gotten their hands on the herb. Like yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. I, yeah. And you I mean, had to give it in a certain way. And again, it was all inspiration. I had no knowledge of this. I had, thank God there was an internet at the time yeah. where I started seeing, like I would see blood, I would see the roots of stuff. And it was trying to draw me to look up blood root, but wow. I didn't know any of that stuff. I didn't know those visions represented that. So it was a, it was a yeah. learning. Yeah. It, yeah. It, I mean, do you think blood root could cure a lot of things or was that just specific to that person? You know, interestingly, um, from what I've learned now from all of this is that, yes, would blood root help other people? Yes. But it wasn't just that. It was it was in synchronicity with the other two things. And that's what I learned. Most things that have to do with cures. And since then, I've been inspired with other cures, too, that have completely helped people or cured people. But they were always in sync. There were always like two or three things that I was shared with that they would work in synchronicity with one another in order to okay. produce a cure. So okay. whether that would work in other people, I'm going to say yes, but not every single one. Right. So it has to be sort of like maybe two or three things that are unique to a certain person who's, uh, who has a certain disease, a certain it's it's affecting certain areas. There's a certain um, amount of disease in them. Like I said, with him, I mean, he was literally on the table with morphine and couldn't talk. Yeah. Uh, that's I mean, man, I wish I knew you. I wish you did this to my uncle. <laughs> who, you know, My uncle passed away last year from from cancer. You know, Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, my God, what a, what an amazing story. I mean, uh, so and well, I, I do want to ask, since we're talking about this, when you when you kind of see the imbalance in someone or the cure, does it come to you as a how does that come to you? How does the vision appear to you? Does it is it a voice? Is it a visual? When you uh, when you go to sleep at night and you dream. Well, I have insomnia. I don't know what happens. <laughs> Do you ever daydream? Sure. Yeah. So when when you when you dream, um, when you go to sleep at night, when you do, <laughs> um, your brain is completely out. And yet there's stories going on. And there's visions and you're having conversations and you tr you wake up and you try to interpret them. Right. What they all mean. You can do the same thing during the day. You can actually daydream, like shift yourself and just stare at something. And all of a sudden you'll have a vision of something and you'll blow it off like it's no big deal. But this is all spiritual visions. Now, spiritual visions are dependent on, remember I was telling you about when you quiet your thinking and your spirit's intelligence and your mental um, intelligence, they form a visual mind. That's needed. That's why people meditate. They try to see visions through that. When that's not in unity, you're going to have mental illusions and mental fantasies. That's not connected to what's true. So by itself, your brain will only will only show you mental illusions, illusions of what's true, delusions. You'll become delusional from it all. And also fantasies. You'll fantasize about what you wish to be true. Every time I see a vision when I'm talking to people in spirit, they share visions with me. And it tells a story. And my interpretation of it as it gets better 
my answers to people get clearer. Right. The messages <clears throat> get clearer. So for you, is it more of a visual experience as opposed to an auditory experience? Yeah, it's um, it's a combination of everything, but the majority of it is visual. Um, so you'll you'll envision something and it'll come from a source of knowledge outside of you. Now, that process is based on inspiration. So your thinking process, that's your physical um, brain, so that's a thinking process. The spiritual process is inspiration. You get inspired with knowledge that's not first stored in your brain. Yeah. And I guess the trick is to figure out what is the spiritual and what is the brain, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. One of the key things to answer your question is your spirit is always first. Really? Always. Because huh. it's in unity with God. It's 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 the it's the core of our our origin. Your brain is outside of that unity, so it always comes second. So anytime you know the loving thing to do, the good thing, you get drawn or pushed or you get influenced in a certain direction and then your brain creates a fear yeah. of that, your brain's always second. <clears throat> that's very nice that that works out well then because it's yes. like you could you could say your first gut instinct or your gut. first thing yes. is the right is the right thing yes yeah and that's and, and that's people's being spiritually unlearned about themselves because they substitute words that don't accurately describe what they're experiencing so they use gut feeling gut instinct yeah or they'll just say i don't know how i just knew this to be true i knew my right. parents were going to pass i knew my grandmother was going to pass so you have a belief system that's work on your brain, what it believes is true. And your spirit goes, I don't believe anything. I know it's true. So even like something like love at first sight, yeah, there's there's something to that. Because you can feel the bond. You know that you're supposed to be with them. Yes. You don't that's have so to waste time and date other people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we'll talk about that later. I'm still single. <laughs> uh, wow. Um well, okay, you know what? This this leads me kind of organically to go into So the thing about the readings, which I want to say to people is that it's a very, you know, this is this is I mean, for the skeptics out there, there's a lot of people yeah. that say that people are charlatans and, you know, whatever. Yeah. But for you, I would say that it's the most because I've been there and I've seen like I told my story about Jerusalem. I mean, it's very very dramatic and but it's not this is for me, I think I think for you, too, it's sort of the icing on the cake. It's not the whole story, the readings that you do. Oh, correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it's just a nice way to get it to 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 prove to people that this that there's an afterlife and there's a spiritual life and all that stuff. Yeah. A hundred percent. I what I do is I emphasize you're about to see a communication that you can all do. I, <laughs> that's why I say that's why I say I'm self-taught. I do not have a gift. I tell everybody this. Do not see this as a gift. It's a communication. I just showed faith in it. And you didn't. That's the only thing. Everybody has a gut feeling. Everybody has a gut instinct. Everybody has these moments where we just know the right thing, the loving thing to you to do. I just showed faith in it. That's all I did. Well, I, yeah, I don't know what to say about that because I know, I mean, I, I mean, I, it to me, it looks like you do have the gift, but what do I know? <laughs> I mean, I think, I think it's, a, 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 you know, I, think I couldn't do this before. I never had these experiences. I was 44 right. when I started. I, I, I didn't believe in any of it. I never had an experience. I never had any of this. It all started from me just seeking the truth about myself. It all have started you, that way. 
have you ever had somebody come to you and say, hey, I want you to be my mentor and I also want to do what you do? Have you had that experience of somebody like guiding someone to do what you do? Do you want to schedule something for later on this? <laughs> I, I I, mean, I, I'm very busy, but I'm just... <laughs> talking about me. But I, I would love to know what, to do what you do. But I mean, that's never happened to you, huh? The, um, you know. You know, always speaking honestly, um, I started from a super humble beginning, and I'm still very, very humble about this. It was so important to me, Danny, not to overstep my boundaries by falsely portraying myself that I had the wisdom to do something when I didn't. So it wasn't until many years after I started all this and I proved it publicly, you know, by putting myself in that position to be ridiculed and mocked and then just watched it all organically grow in itself before I started teaching people. But yes, I do offer mentoring and classes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it took me a while before I would say that I was ready. I mean, I, it's very, I mean, I, what, what, what I'm trying to do here is that what we talked about before about quieting the, you know, I mean, the whole process it still it still feels and I, I don't want to belabor the point, but it still feels like it um focusing on the spirit. It, it I would like to I would like to do it like a you know like a how-to recipe of how to do that. And I think you did sort of tell me before, like to realize that you're you're not your brain and all that stuff. But I think it's I again I think, right? I just said I think. Yes. It, it's Danny, it's a, can I just say that? That's important. Catch yourself. Yeah. When yeah. you say that, listen to your own words when you say, here's what I think, and then say, but that's not me. That yeah. was my brain telling me what it thinks. Yeah. That, Danny, just that, if when you do this, you'll do this all throughout your day. And after about three, four, or five days, you're going to start separating yourself. The truth is empowered to actually cause the transformation. And that's just a starting point. And then it goes on from there. But yes. Yes. Well that uh, yeah absolutely i mean it and it I, I guess it's like training like anything else it's like training like lifting weight speak the truth about yourself and every time you have fear going that's not me that's not my spirit that's my brain offering resistance to what my spirit knows to be true and that's different and then start to realize you're a spirit and here's how this is equal in all people and ask people do you ever have fear to talk you out of what you know yeah. to be true or what you love and everybody will say the same thing yes yeah. And then you realize I have to change my goals in life. I have to start to look that I'm a spirit that love prevails in all people. And yeah. then my job is to evolve. And my yeah. job is to show faith in all of this. Like if, if there really was a higher power, God, and God came down and sat next to you and God's not a white male human to me either. So if God sat next to you in whatever form God wanted to do, and then you could see God and you had a conversation and said, and, and God proved, however God proved to you, you then would have a different viewpoint about life. You would have more of a spiritual experience and you would sure. have, a, you would change, you would shift into that viewpoint where now you would be empowered to now shift your life and to show more faith in what you spiritually know. My, my, my galleries demonstrate that it's not God, but when I go to people and I'll share, hey, your son's passed, and he's telling me he died from the drug overdose. He's saying, this is his name. This is his sister's name. You found him here. His birthday's on here. 
He also wants you to reach into your right pocket and take your ashes that he's created. Like all that's come true. That's a that's an actual communication that I've received many, 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 many times. Yeah. People now start to start to experience a empowerment that this is all true. Yeah. And it's not something your brain can debate. You can't debate in a personal experience. And then Absolutely. all of a sudden they become enlightened. And I can't tell you how many people said, I was about to take my life. Yeah. And I am I no bet. longer making that choices. I mean, hundreds of people. I bet. I bet. I mean, I, well, I, I love that what you just said, because what you're, what you're saying is that you're, you're not doing these seminars to show your amazing gift or anything like that. You're doing Absolutely it to not. show people that they, that what they have inside of them. Yes. That's how amazing. to live their life differently, how to empower people to see the truth about how amazing our spiritual presence inside of our 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 human creation is yes we're just yeah. not taught this we should be taught this when we we're kids absolutely i i want to ask you a, a hard question um so yeah because okay so for someone for, for we're talking about unconditional love and yeah, spiritual yeah. and um you know for people that have come from from people that don't feel unconditional love in themselves or they've had terrible backgrounds of abuse or whatever, you know, like I want to share a story, a, sh a short story. I had a moment in uh, 94. I went to California. I thought, this is it. I'm going to follow my dream of being an actor. And, and, you know, I drove out there with all my possessions and things didn't work out. I fell into a bad depression and, and uh, I came back five months later uh, with my tail between my legs. And I said to myself, wow, I really thought I was following my heart and look what happened. And I think it's those kinds of moments that make you kind of doubt the universe and doubt your doubt, everything that, that you believe to be right. And I think, what do you think about moments like that? where you think you're following your heart and things don't work out? Like, what would you say about that? Um, very often. And again, I'm talking about my own personal experiences when I started doing all of this, um, I had those moments and it didn't work out. And what I said to myself, what caused me, what caused it not to work out? And it was always because I put faith in what my brain was telling me and the fears it was creating. That's huh. what caused it. So I didn't blame God anymore. I started accepting blame for myself that I lacked the strength, the spiritual will to stay coarse. Well, and so, absolutely. yeah, yes. that's definitely true for my story. Yeah. But it's not just you. It's everyone. It's universal. You ask people, how come things didn't work out for them? And they'll all say, I cave into my fears. Right. <clears throat> well, that's a very interesting answer. Uh, but it's kind of a chicken and egg, right? Like the fierce, like what comes first, the fear or, well, let, let me put it this way. For example, the whole notion of why do... This is a question I was going to ask you later, but let me ask it now. Um, why do bad things? Why do you know bad things happen to good people? I mean, you have stuff in the world that are terrible, and you know everywhere. If you choose to look at the news, everything is horrible, and you know you have stuff like the Holocaust, and I could go on and on and on about terrible things. My mom died when she was thirty-six. Why did that happen? All these things. I'm just bringing that up. Is how how can someone? explain uh, i mean may, and maybe sometimes the answer is that people tell me maybe it's not for you to understand maybe it's not for you to understand why there was a holocaust or why your mom died you know what i mean uh like what how do you reconcile that to 
go back to unconditional because it's hard to find the unconditional love when you have when you're focusing on all the bad things that happen to you. Correct. So it's a great question. So one is, let me just go and just add something to the last question is this. When you were guided to go to California, what if you did this? What if you misinterpreted that guidance that you weren't supposed to do it in that moment? What if you were supposed to give yourself a year and during that year's time, you were going to prevent yourself from caving into your mental fears? Now you go out to California, but you've shifted yourself. You've transformed yourself to a different voice of guidance. You showed a faith in it. That's what I had to do. Yeah. Before I was ready to do mediumship galleries, to stand in front of people, I started off on a very, very low level of just doing free readings for people. I got one thing right and nine things wrong. And people <laughs> would leave and go, you suck. And I'll never come back to you again. I go, absolutely. But it doesn't mean... It doesn't mean I can't. I don't have the capability. It's just not the right time frame. Wow. So there's this window of learning that people don't incorporate into their interpretation of what they're receiving. So wow. remember, everything is about your spirit. That's your whole purpose here. It's not to make money. It's not to be on Broadway. What that what that vision is telling you is that, yes, there is a moment in your future that you're going to be amazing, but you have to do work on yourself first. And so now let's go back to people. Yeah. Or as long as you, as long as we're raised spiritually unlearned people, we're spiritually unlearned. That means we're raised by our parents, our religions, our society, our academics that don't include what we talked about earlier, which is we're a spirit. It has an intelligence. Here's how it works. It knows information. There's a separate voice of guidance that usually uses fear to talk us out of doing the loving thing. And that is, that love is God's voice that universally and equally applies to all people. It exists in all people. If we grow up with that, now all of a sudden, our viewpoint of ourselves, our perspective of ourselves shifts. Now, let's understand what love does and a lack of love. So if you have love in your life, love's not the end all. Love is a way of speaking to one another or interacting with one another that is spiritually helpful so if you use kindness or compassion or you're encouraging you're not you're helping people spiritually um be more assertive to show more courage to have more passion in their life and then what happens is this when you speak or you act in a loving way to people here's what it produces it creates that person to welcome you more in their life. There's a unity that starts to happen. It increases your harmony with that person, that synchronicity with that person, that oneness. That's the whole point of love. Now, when you don't have it, that means there's a lack of harmony. There's a lack of unity. There's a lack of synchronicity. And you're going to speak that. That's yeah. what all the people in the world do that hold a higher power over other people they haven't evolved themselves. And so they're speaking in such a way to create a disunity, a disharmony, a dissynchronicity with all people. They're going to live a life whose philosophy is to control others. Right. That's why you have that in the world. So it's not God. God's going, oh, I'm here. All you have to do is just listen to my voice of love. 
you'll never have people hurting other people. I get that. I get that. A skeptic would say, though, well, uh, the Holocaust happened. Yeah, uh, because of that, what? Because of one that, person. What's that? One We're person, right? right? Well, and yeah. how was that person raised? Was that one person raised in a position like you have? You have people in, in charge of other countries, right? Putin. Yeah. If they're yeah. raised where their life philosophy, their idea of success is yeah. to control other people to get what they want in the way that they want, there's no harmony or synchronicity oh, yeah. or there's no that. unity in that. Yes. Of course. But a skeptic Just, would say, yeah. But I guess, let me say this this way. That a skeptic would say, why would God allow that to happen? If there is a, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's a question that's hard to answer. Well, here's the answer. The answer okay. would be that God's giving us the opportunity to choose wisely. But once your spirit leaves this earth, it continues on in life. You're fine. You always were. It's like going into a job. Don't take it so damn seriously. You're always going to be able to go into another job and continue on in your education and stuff. So don't take it so damn seriously. There's always going to be room for you to grow. People because you're so people are spiritually unlearned, you don't see with the viewpoint that there's an afterlife. Once you do, you start to realize, oh my God, I've been living my life incorrectly. I'm really meant to evolve. And so I failed in my evolution to be more of God, to be more of unity, to express that way. But that's what happens when you cross over. You cross over and you see all that. But when you go and review your life afterwards, you're going to see all the harm that you did. And there's not going to be anybody around you, but you're going to be in the presence of a higher power going, that's not what I told you. I told you differently. I told you to be loving. I told you to show a love. I told you your words reflected a disunity. This is my world. This is my creation. And now when you stand behind that, in front of that power, your whole viewpoint changes. Right. So would you say that it's not really for us to understand why bad things happen? I guess well, I guess your explanation is that there's a choice. Yes. Uh, so, someone, you know, a bad person chose, well, forget about the Holocaust. What about when somebody dies? My mom died when she was young. Mm -hmm. uh, a young Danny would say, why did this happen to me? Why did she have to die? Yeah. How, how does a young Danny... How would you explain this to a young child? You know what I mean? Like that's sure. not a choice. It's, I mean, did she choose to leave the, the, the earth? I don't know. What's your idea of death? That's a good Physical question. Physical body that passes away. Is your spirit still alive? Then it's not death. Well, I would like to believe and that talking with someone like you makes me. Well, believe. you said, I believe that's your brain saying what it believes. Tell me yeah. what you know to be true. You just got done talking about an experience you had where I knew information yeah. I couldn't possibly know that right. where I got that information from is based on inspiration. That information that wasn't in my head. So where'd it come from? So this yeah. is all proof that there's more to life. So when our yeah. physical body passes away, that higher power says, you're mine again. You're coming back home. One yeah. of the things you want to say to yourself too, again, this is a, a cool question that I asked myself that really helped myself at. There's a difference between what you can say is physically yours, right? What uh -huh. you physically possess. Tell me what is spiritually yours. What is spiritually mine is my, wow. Um, what did you create? That's a tough question to answer right now. Um, 
I guess I created my my memories. I created my my sense of esteem, my sense of self, my um I, I don't know how to answer that, but am I on the right track? So it's cool, right? What you say is spiritual what you can say is spiritually mine, right? Can you say your mother is spiritually mine? Was it your creation? Wow. My my first thought is to say no, she wasn't my creation. She Stick existed. with it. Stick with it. That's your first feeling. That's your first, that's a truthful answer. Yeah. And so when you put God into the equation and you're a spirit and she's a spirit and there's a unity, we all came from that image, it all works. And God goes, that higher power would say to yourself this, you're right. It was my, she was my creation, not yours. Don't ever think she was something that belonged to you. Don't call her your mother. I gifted her into your life. You were meant to share your life together. It was limited. It was a limited time that I created and all. And when it was all over and said and done with, she came back to me and I promise you, you're going to see her again. So it's a whole different viewpoint that now you have when you put your spirit into the equation. People who think, and that's people who have PhDs, people that are ahead of our government, people are ahead of, of countries. They're all, they're all learning a philosophy or teaching a philosophy that's based on control, not speaking the truth. They don't have the courage to do the loving thing. They shouldn't be in those positions. Well, you're talking about a different viewpoint. So, for example, a young kid that loses his mother. Yeah. It's not so much. You're saying that it's don't focus on the loss of the mother. You focus more on the fact that she's a spirit. Speaks so it's a, it's a different viewpoint, right? Yeah, that's a spiritual viewpoint. Yes. When you include that you're a spirit and you see evidence of all this and there's so much evidence. I mean, there's spirits, there's ghosts, there's. Uh, near-death experiences that people have there's mediums there's your own gut feelings your sense of knowing through all of it it's all pointing in that direction when you grow up with that philosophy and yeah. you have that viewpoint now you include that in your analysis it all shifts there's people yeah. in life right the cultures they celebrate death well, that's a first of all, that's a beautiful answer that you just gave me. So I, I some, sometimes you, you're telling me things I need I need a second to, to have it sink in, you know. Um, let me just say one more thing about this for people that are because I'm imagining people want to ask you all these questions and I get I have a chance to do that. So, for example, uh, people, it just seems arbitrary sometimes people some people get sick at a young age, some people live to 95. Yeah. Is it is it up to us to make sense of all of that? Because it seems arbitrary. Like, why does this person live and this person dies? Like, yeah. why is is that the wrong viewpoint to think about? Is why is the question why the wrong viewpoint here? Um, the wrong viewpoint is to blame. That's ah. the wrong viewpoint. Stop pointing a finger and trying to blame because that's what we're taught. Just like very often we're taught to punish people. If you do something wrong, we're going to punish you. And it might just be, we're not going to talk to you. I'm going to make you feel guilty, or I'm going to put my hands on you, or I'm going to yell or scream at you. That's also a part of our philosophy that comes from your thinking. Um, so very often in life, people, because we're not aligned with doing the loving thing, we're more aligned with making money. So something that people make rather than what God created. So God created love. What if all our foods weren't processed, didn't have ingredients in it, didn't contain bad chemicals? What if people never lied about it? What if uh, our air was fresher? What if uh, chemicals didn't leak into that 
mysteriously could cause cancers, but we don't know the truth about all of that. My sister, she was um, she was in her 50s when she passed away. She had um, brain, lung, and bone cancer all at the same time. So my brother, he would go like, why did God do that? And I'm saying to myself, you're blaming the wrong person. Ah. Because where she worked at, she was a nurse. And she was privy to chemicals that I got inspired where she got it from. Got and it. so it has nothing to do with God. It's us making the wrong choices. But when you're learning, in, when you shift into spirit, you become inspired on what you spiritually need to know to persevere in life. And I say, because it's proof of my own life, you'll get inspired not to touch the chemicals. You'll get inspired not to connect yourself with people that aren't going to add to your life. You'll get inspired to connect with certain professions that aren't going to add in life. You'll become inspired what route to take so that you don't get into the accident. You'll be inspired when to tell, when to see medical imbalances inside of your loved ones so that they don't get sicker. I proved all of this in my life. This is, this is what I was searching for. So now instead of the suffering that most people have in, yeah. I have suffered completely less it's rare that my life suffers at all but prior to this that's all i did was suffer yeah so it's this communication the superior communication that when we align ourselves with it all aspects of our life improve including our longevity yeah i mean that's such a important thing that you just said because so it's not blaming god although i guess one would blame god because they would say well I, I understand that the chemicals came from the all this stuff, but God allowed that to happen. Like God so gave us free will. God gave us free will. So that's a very we're always come we're coming back to that point. God gave us free will, and therefore bad things can happen. At the same time, people cause that because they choose poorly because they don't choose love. Or they don't investigate their own human creation. We don't take the time just to truthfully learn about ourselves. We're too busy learning about what other people did in history or other things that we'll never use in life instead of our own human creation and the fact that there's a spirit and all this evidence backs it all up. And if we just did that, our world would just completely shift for the better. Absolutely. Our kids would grow up not feeling unloved, not feeling a disconnection or a disharmony from their parents or a disunity. They would feel that synchronicity. They would feel that unity. That's what we need, that togetherness. Absolutely. But I think your challenge and, and uh, your challenge is to, to kind of break it down to people, the people that are working all day long, you know, with jobs that they don't like, and then come back to a relationship that's not working. Yes. They don't have time. They don't have, they don't have a thought to say, oh, I'm going to try to concentrate on love and faith right now. That's not part of their vocabulary. Right. And my proof is, and what I say to myself, I did it. Right. And right. And if you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. So well, this, people say, I can't do it. I'm saying like, you lack the courage. That's you have the courage, but you just don't want to put the time into it because you don't believe this is going to produce this really amazing outcome. Not your yeah. brain creating a fear. Your yeah. brain will create a fear. None of this is going to work. Yeah. That's its great tactic. That's its great method. Yeah. But it's also a matter of focus, right? Because I mean, a lot of people that can point out all the bad things in the world, there's also a lot of great things in the world that you could focus on. So a lot of it is a question of focus, right? Well, you have to shift your goal, shift your goal that you're a spirit 
and you have to become more of what you spiritually already are. Walk a slower yeah. life in in life. Learn how to surrender control over your life. That's a big part of it. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about control for a second because that's a, that's <laughs> that's a, I know I I don't want to go in circles, but um, I mean it's so it seems almost antithetical to say when you when you stop worrying about control, then that's the answer. Because because yeah. because because sometimes control is good. Like I control when I'm going to get up. I control when I'm going to go to work. I control things that are you know that are practical and necessary. Yeah. So sometimes control is good, right? Is it where to get you so far? <laughs> well, I get a paycheck. I get. Like, <laughs> but what I mean, about your what about your true potential? Has it got you there? And yeah. that's what you want to ask yourself. Don't look at the life that you maintain. Don't look at the life you maintain. Look at the life that you were meant to accomplish. And there's a there's a difference right there. So if you're not aligned with the right wisdom or the right voice of guidance, then you didn't accomplish what your true potential is. And if you had children, you would want that for them. Sure. So that's important to want it for ourselves. Sure. But would you say that sometimes obstacles like like I've had depression and all that stuff, sometimes they're lessons to be learned. Like sometimes like I didn't choose to have depression. It kind of right. happened to me for various reasons. Right. Would you say would you say that sometimes our weaknesses are our strengths in a way? Like there's a lesson to be learned from these obstacles for spiritual evolvement? Yes. When I got depressed, my lesson was I was listening to the voice of my my mental voice of guidance, what it was really telling me. Again, this is the life lesson that I've learned from it all. It was really saying, I don't have your answers. And I'm proving that by not moving your life in a direction that's going to make you personally happy. So it was becoming depressed. So right. remember, my spirit was different than my brain. My brain was saying, I'm depressed. I feel alone. I feel in band abandonment because it's true. It right. was trying to use knowledge that it's stored in its head. If you fill your brain with the wrong knowledge, you'll still try to use it to further your life with it. It doesn't know the difference between right and wrong. It'll take whatever knowledge you store in it, whatever you give it, yeah. as long as it believes it's true, that's yeah. different than knowing what is true. It's going to pull on that knowledge and use it to try to further your life with, and it's never going to work. Yeah. You know, you know, it just makes me think of something that at the time I, rem I remember like I had, a, you know, I was on Zoom because I couldn't leave my apartment when I was depressed. Yeah. So I had I had these crazy Zoom calls with all these therapists. And I had this therapist that I drove him insane. Like I literally drove him insane because I kept I was in a, I was in a very negative loop. Sure. And, he, and I kept saying to him over and over again, the fact that I'm depressed is proof that I am defective, that I'm broken. Like because it was a loop. Right. And he's like, you know, trying every time he would say something, I would come back to that like a mantra. But that's the way my brain was at the time. Yes. It wouldn't tell you the truth about yourself. It'll Your brain was created to doubt the existence of your spirit. If it was wise, it would have said, Danny, you have a spirit and that's different than me. Yeah. Your spirit is based on love. I'm not. It right. never tells you that. <laughs> but but why it's, and it's true. And it's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. So what? So why stop? Does... So stop turning toward it for answers because we're taught that. Yeah. But you why... have you have say I, I was forty four. I had forty four years of faith that my brain was my superior wisdom. Do you know how hard it is to change that after forty four years of believing that's true? It's, it's yeah, it's hard, especially with the lifestyle that you had. I mean, yes, you were, yes, yes. Uh, 
I mean, you, you, your lifestyle before, <laughs> before now is completely antithetical to spirit. I mean, you're, you're all physical. Completely. You know, it's almost, it's, it's almost funny. <laughs> completely. I had a, I had a, in, in law enforcement, it's all about gaining control over people. It was yeah. just the opposite of what I do now. Yeah. yeah. It's all about surrendering to love and learning and learning that love, the words, when you synchronize your words properly, it's a, it's full of empowerment. It's amazing the healing that can take place. Like very often, like during our conversation, I might have answers that you may never have heard before and they might be enlightening to you. Yeah. And if they're enlightening to you, the next thing is, does it resonate with me as true? Can I see this as true? And if you say yes to it, you're on your way to healing. Yeah. To well, shift yourself back into alignment inside of yourself. Your spirit needs right. to be recognized. Yeah. Right. And, and when, when we're talking about love, are we talking about love interaction with other people or love within yourself? Both. Or both. Both. Yeah. yeah. So so showing a love in the fact that remember I was telling you there's a um there's a unity between you and a higher power. So love is spiritual help. And so what are you saying that you're helping? I'm helping increase that unity. So between people, you're saying I'm being loving towards people, uh, which is the equation is I'm being spiritually helpful. How are you helping someone else? I'm increasing my unity and my harmony and my synchronicity with them. A simple presence over someone who lost someone. You could show up in their house and never say a word to them. But your simple presence can increase your unity and harmony with them where they can sense that you're just there for them, even though you yeah. never say a word. Yeah. So it, but that's all spiritual. That's yeah. nothing to do with, you don't have to find words. It's a spiritual sense sure. that somebody is here for me when I need them the most. Yeah. And that's your spirit saying, thank you for all that. That's the harmony and unity that, that love was designed to increase in all people. Yeah. I mean, that's so funny that you say that. Cause you know what? That makes me think of um, like comfortable silence with another person. Yes. Yes. It's, it's like, you can't explain it, but some people you're totally comfortable being silent with. Yeah. And I had relationships where if I wasn't, if nobody was talking, my skin was, I was jumping out of my skin. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, and being comfortably silent is very, it's very nice. It is. 100%. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you don't have to work too hard, you know? No. <laughs> There's no real effort to make. Yes. Yeah. 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 Listen, I want to ask you some specific things about readings because people really want to know about this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. Of so. Course. First of all, you have uh, interactions with spirits, with souls. Like, what is your understanding about a soul? Like, what 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 happens to a soul? Do you have an understanding of what happens to us after we die? I guess that's the question. Yeah, um, there's, and it's interesting because the things that I can't see that also tells me a story, right? That has that has a story to it. So my definition, right? So everybody. Um, is a spirit. That spirit is created in the image of a higher power. So that image, our connection, our unity with that higher power, that spiritual image is based on love. So our communication with that is based on love. Our goal in life, everybody's goal in life, is to become more of what we spiritually already are, which helps us become more of God. So whatever you understand God to be, this great intelligence, this pure essence of unconditional love, this great unity and stuff. Our goal here from a spiritual point of view is to become more of that. 
And we're going to be challenged in life to do that. So now, the more we are of God, the greater our soul of God is, or God's essence. That's the soul within our spirit. That's how I see it. Now, other people might explain it differently. When you okay. cross over, so now your physical body, something happens to it, it passes away, and your spirit's going to leave. Interesting, Dan, is that some spirits stay earthbound. Really? Oh, yeah. So whenever you hear somebody haunting a house or you yeah. hear something happening inside of the house, they're earthbound. And I always became interested in that. And then you have people that I talk to, you know, at my events, they're ascended. There's a difference in the communication. There's also, it's a cool understanding that I have um, that I'm always looking for more evidence of, of why they were staying here. So one of the things I say is our goal here is to surrender control over our life or surrender soul control or soul ownership over our life. People that are earthbound are trying to continue on with this life. It might be something that, like if you were very controlling in life as a father, and this is your house, you don't want anything else to happen, you don't want anybody else to move into it, this is my stuff, and all of a sudden you pass away, that connection to materialistic things spiritually can keep you still connected to it. And okay. so you might say you're haunted the house. There's other moments where somebody might be on their deathbed. And you might say to them near the end of their life, let go, just give up and let go, surrender yourself. And every single time those people, those people ascend, they just surrender control over their life. And those, that's the difference I, I see um, about people being earthbound and people, um, people ascending. It's all about a surrendering soul control over your life to the unity you've always had with a higher power. Do you think that back to that original source? Yeah. Do you think that people that are sort of stay on earth, do they eventually ascend or are they stuck here forever? I've seen people here for days, weeks, months, years, tens of years, even a hundred years or more wow. connected to the earth because there is no time to them. It's one big moment. So yeah. there is no time to them. There's okay. no sunsets or sunrises. There's no changing of the, it's just one big, it's hard to describe, but it's one big moment to them. Yeah. Yeah. So they There's don't no know, time. they don't know 10 years have passed because they see, they see their existence the same way every single day. So do you, do you see, is there such a thing in your mind or I don't want, you know, as, as like an evil spirit or like an evil ghost, or is that something that, is yeah, that's a great question. Let me. I, I'm going to share. I'll uh, share the answer to that in 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 one second. You can you can help people. Remember, let me just share this with you. We were never given the power to change people. If somebody doesn't want to change themselves, we can't change them. If somebody's not interested in listening to what we say, we don't have that power. Our role to one another is always this: a sincere gesture of love towards one another. That's it. A sincere gesture of love without wanting anything in return for ourselves. That's always been our intended role to one another. We should always see each other as spiritual guests in each other's lives. So never interfere with someone's free will to change that direction or to choose whether or not they want to be a guest in our life or not, or be included in our life. So a sincere gesture of love. Um, so people, 
folks who have crossed over very often. Um, when I first started, I shouldn't say very often, when I first started doing all this, that was my question. Um, I was interested in talking to people that were still earthbound. But at the very same time, um, I was concerned because I was taught there's demons and devils and things along that line. So I got connected to a paranormal groups or several paranormal groups. And I would go out to locations where there was demons there and hauntings and all. Not one time. And I've done 50, 60, 70 investigations, talked to so many different spirits. I've never seen someone in spirit that was earthbound that wasn't affected by the power of love. Wow. So to me, a demon would be like, you could say all the loving things in the world. It doesn't matter. They're not affected by it at all. They're still going to be. I've never seen that. Not one time. Every single time somebody has said, this is a demon in my house. Remember this. It's because their brain told them something that it fears. That there is something in my house that I can't control. So spiritually now, I went there and I said, I can talk to them every single time. It was a family member who was the alcoholic, who was controlling in life. And all they did in spirit was duplicate exactly what they would do in life. If they push people in life, they push people in spirit. If they were abusive and they slapped people, they slapped people in spirit. But now their interpretation is that was a demon slapped me. Or right. that was a demon that pushed me. Or that was a demon that, for instance, there was a lady. Um, I went to her house and she said there was a demon in her basement. And every time she walked by this one door in the basement, the door would rattle and bang. And she could hear yelling and screaming from behind the door. It was a demon trying to scare her to death. So I went and talked to the person in spirit, told me his name and told me years ago. He had a house on this property and he it burnt down and he got caught in the basement behind the door in the fire and he was trying to get out. So we did research on the house. Sure enough, there was a wow. prior house there. There was a fire and he died in the basement trying to get out. So he was just replicating what he was trying to do in a prior life, trying to tell people what happened to him. And she misinterpreted the whole thing because she was thinking too much. Yeah, that's a wild. That's amazing. That's cool amazing. story, right? That's great. And so many true stories like that. And it all goes back to, again, just proving like your brain won't tell you the truth because yeah. it doesn't include the fact that you're a spirit and that could be part of the equation. It doesn't include its intelligence, its connection to God. It's it's based on love. It doesn't include any of that and in its analysis. Right. Well, this brings up a question. I think you told me this once because we're talking about my father who wasn't the easiest guy in the world and it had a very... You know, I had periods where I hated him. And I think you told me that when a spirit goes up or ascends, uh, they're no longer good or bad. Uh, or you know what I mean? Like there's no it's they're just pure. Is that is that true? Yeah. Think about it. You don't have a brain anymore to offer you resistance. Gone. So So what's left? So Love. Love prevails. So yeah. it only knows how to be loving now, but it still sees the truth about itself. So when he looks at his life story, he's going to see when the extended vision, which means that he's going to see what you physically can't see here. He's going to see all the harm he spiritually did to you and the rest of the family for many, many years that he could never see here before. And when you see that, again, it humbles you because now you're seeing the truth about yourself and you realize you failed in life. Yeah. One of, the, one of the greatest things if for people to know yeah. that 
and something I still do to this day, but I started 15 years ago, at the end of my day, I would look back at every choice I ever made and every outcome that they produced. And I said, was I proud of myself, of what I did? And that's all I did, Dan. I Every single day, that's what I, I learned for myself. I want to be proud of every choice I ever make, how I respond to people. I want to be proud of that. I want yeah. to re I want to be proud of whatever wisdom or insight I offer people that if it doesn't serve a real purpose, it doesn't really enlighten them, then yeah. I'm going to say I'm not proud of myself and there's room to grow. And the next day I would try to get a little bit better. Yeah. And a lot of people don't see that, whether they're proud of themselves or not, until after they cross over. Right. So that's a good practice to do like, like every night is 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But, but back to the spirit. So, um, so if, if let, let's take my father, for example, so yeah. if he's looking at his life from up there and he's like, you know, sees all the, all the harm, do they feel bad? Do they, are they, are they able to feel anything? Yeah. Anything spiritually. Yeah. They still, they, cause they can still see. They can still see. Oh yeah. They people, your spirit, Everything the physical body can do, your spirit can still do to a greater degree. Wow. So when they see, when they see, they can see farther than our physical eyes can see, but they can still see. Spirits, people in spirits that I talk to, they'll point to me like at my um at my galleries. Yeah. The galleries will always start off in this way and then progress this way, where I'll point to a certain person and I'll say, This is for you. Your mother's standing behind you. She's telling me this, and she'll give me like five or six different things. And then that person in front of everyone, say there's 30 people there, we all get to see if it's true. And every single time, because it is true, she'll just validate like 90%, if not more, of the information. The reason why I choose this one woman is because her mother in spirit, and this is what I bring with people, she told me where you were sitting. I don't open it up to the entire room and say, who's this for here? I direct it to certain people because her mother in spirit is gone. Rich, my daughter's not in the entire room. She's sitting there. I want you to point to her. Yeah. So I bring this out to people that they can see. Yeah. And even so, though they don't have physical eyes, it's the coolest thing. Yeah. So, and by the way, do they, when you are communicating with, with a spirit, do you have to focus on the person who's living like the the person that's you know that that is in your seminar in front of you do you have to focus on them and then you see the image of the deceased um no so remember there's always there's always differences between your physical side and your spiritual side so physically we observe life the eyes of your spirit is your awareness so okay. i become aware of people of presences that create an image of themselves or I'll become aware of where they're directing me to of their living loved ones in spirit. Very often, as I'm prepping for the event, they'll come to me then and they'll say, My living loved one is sitting on the left side in the back, even though I've never I haven't I haven't been in the room with anybody sitting there yet. Cause I always get there early and then, you know, I go into a separate room and then people come in after me. But right. they'll tell me beforehand where they're sitting at. And so even though I've never been in a room where all the, everybody was sitting, that's where they're sitting at all the time. So the people wow. in spirit are already pointing to it. So I don't have to be connected to them. <laughs> I can be connected by myself and they'll still guide me. Wow. And how do you experience it? Do you experience their, I think you said both visually and audit, like you hear their voice and you see the spirit. It's mostly it's yes, all of it. Sometimes like if somebody was murdered, like they'll, 
they'll they'll guide me to grab my throat like if they were choked to death wow if somebody had a knee replaced you'll see me grabbing my right knee and it's their way of guiding me and then the visions and then sometimes yeah. i can hear them yeah wow so you actually see like you see like an image of the, the person of their physical self of yeah. the way they the way they were on earth um yes and no that happens but most of the time it's an image that you just know it's them you know it's a female you know it's a mother spirit and not so much the physical details that you would want but sometimes i can see complete details about them to their jewelry and their shoes yeah. everything yeah 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 so it varies it varies it all depends on what they want you to know so if their shoes are a big deal because they were like say they worked for a shoe company they might show me their shoes or if they liked expensive shoes they might show me that it all depends on what you spiritually need to know okay so what's your understanding of what a soul that, so I, I think you're saying that souls are still working on themselves in the afterlife. Is that true? Right. They don't become all wise. Yes. So what, what, for, first of all, do you have, is there, do you see something like a heaven and a hell or is that completely not what I, you see? Yeah. Um, there's no, I've never seen hell, nor okay. do I think hell even exists. I think hell. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> I think I, you know, I, if you ask me what hell is, it's a state of existence that we experience here when we yeah. think too much. That's, that's so. That's a great answer. Yes, that's that's my idea of hell, and that's my idea of whoever started what hell is hundreds of years ago or thousands of years ago. That's what they were referring. That's what they were referring to. Okay, but you do you see a version of hell of of heaven, sort of like the. It's a here. Here is all I've seen is that. One, when people cross over, they are formless. Okay. So there is no, they return to their basic form, which is no form. But at the very same time, um, they can form an image that helps me get messages to their living loved ones. So an right. image of, hey, I was in this body. Because prior to this, prior, prior to um, here, um, I've seen this hundreds of times is people in spirit living in different bodies. Uh -huh. So each body has a date of birth. Each body has a social security number. Each body is assigned a name, but the spirit doesn't have a social security number. It never had a date of birth. It doesn't have a name. And so inside of that, inside of that way, you're just seeing spirits go from body to body. And they'll actually tell me what previous bodies they had, where they lived, you know, that kind of a thing. So when people when people cross over, they're formless. They go back to their original state, but they can show me different bodies that they were previously in. Yeah. They'll also talk about the different experiences they had in this body and other bodies too. And they'll talk about the life lessons that are universal, that are based on love. Our life lessons are based on love, which is what governs all our life equally. And they'll talk about what they did wrong and what they did, what they should have done better. But then they also show me that their ability um, to move about, it's not like we do where we go through a distance. Right. Point A to they point. It can kind of morph. Like if you if you said there was a, a, a planet like eight light years away, they can just shift towards that point. But there's something about a spiritual need to do so. But most of the time they'll come back also. But at the very same time, they're in a different 
I'm going to call it a dimension yeah. that isn't connected to a physical realm that they could still see our physical realm, yeah. but it's beautiful. It's a state of peace. I mean, beyond that stillness, blissfulness, because yeah. you don't have a brain to offer resistance anymore. Everything is in unity and harmony. So interesting. But do you think they're aware without a brain? Are they aware of? Yeah, absolutely. Because the okay. people that talk to me in spirit, they're aware, they're intelligent enough to share details of their yeah. life here. Yeah. yeah, they're aware of everything. Well, this is very comforting to hear for someone who's a skeptic. It's very comforting to know that. And so do you think if, for, for example, if I, when I pass away, I'll see my mother again, I'll actually interact 100%. with her again? Oh, like, a, like not even, not even a little doubt, like a thousand percent, a thousand wow. percent. You're going to see all the people that there was a spiritual unity with, including animals. Wow. 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 So yeah, then and, I, and, you know, yeah. it's interesting. So let, let me ask you this question. What yeah. do you consider to be family? What do I consider what? To be family. To be family? You mean like my my mother? Like, well, I mean, it could be, well, I mean, I mean like, I don't know. Like, so I, obviously I lost my mother when I was a kid. She was absolutely family. She was my mother. Um, but do you mean people that are not physically family, but I feel like they're family? See, isn't that yeah. a cool question? Because well, yeah. you're starting to understand now you're contemplating life. You're contemplating your personal experiences by opening yourself up to what's true. And you're and you're and you're using your personal experiences. You're saying, okay, if what Rich is saying is true, there's a physical side and a spiritual side, then there's physical family, but then there's also spiritual family. Yeah. For instance, can you have a dog that you consider to be closer family to you than your physical brother or sister? Sure, sure. Why? Sure. Why? Um, because I feel a spiritual connection or, or some unconditional love with a dog that I don't feel. Love. Right. Remember, love. love is the universal communication that increases our unity with one another. So with a dog, there's no resistance because a dog right. doesn't think as much as a human. Right. So now here is this bond. There's this unity or harmony that you're experiencing that you were designed to accept and to enjoy. And to you, that's family. Because you're a spirit. If you were yeah. really physical, you would value your physical connection. No matter how unloving they were, you would still value that and say, nope, I put more value in that family than my spiritual family. But that's not what we do. Yeah. If there's a lack of love in our spiritual, in our physical family. That's why we keep a distance. So physical family has less of a value to us and spiritual family has more. Well, thank God. I can't stand half of my family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when you get back to spirit, remember, like we were placed here in these physical bodies. And when you get back to spirit, you're going to see you've been in different bodies, too. So you weren't it's not you. So you're going to see that what you consider to be family is going to be only what you have a natural love for and a right. natural unity that you've established. Yeah. Well, so interesting. I mean, like, you know, there's there's like music that you love. There's things that you love on this earth that, yes. are, that are that are spiritual and there's no explanation for it. Like yes. you love a certain artist over another artist, right? Yes. It's just molecules of music in the air. Yes, yes, yes. You know? There's a need for you to go in that direction and learn that particular music over this one. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, that that because you know what happened to me is I started to get to know the artists behind the songs and they became friends of mine. And yes, yeah. So it's it's all very interesting, but it's so comforting to think that souls exist and that there's an afterlife. And do you think, for, first of all, do you believe in reincarnation? Do you believe that we come back, or is yeah, that a whole other? 
Sorry. That's what I was sharing before. Like we have different bodies that we were in prior to this one with so, different names and different social security numbers. And that was your spirit just jumping from body to body, learning its life lessons. So do you think that every one of us will come back to this earth in another form or and if you evolve or not? Remember, you oh, have yeah. a choice. You have Rich, a choice. I don't want to do this life again. <laughs> <laughs> please, please tell me that's not true. <laughs> That's why I share with people like you just have to speak the truth about yourself, like start, start your education, right? That focuses on this, what's universally truthful about all people, what equally applies to all people. So like free will, right? That's yeah. something that equally applies to all people. Learn a knowledge about that. Understand what it is, but incorporate. Remember those three areas, you're a spirit. There's a connection to God and universal love. And when you incorporate that in your analysis, you're going to see that you're going to now be inspired with knowledge that right. is going to actually evolve yourself, is actually going to grow your wisdom. Well, so do you think that some people are evolved enough in this in this lifetime that when they do pass, they won't come back because yeah. they're already evolved? Yeah, I'm not coming back. <laughs> what are you going to do all day over there? <laughs> I can't. I'm, I'm actually, you know, um, I'm looking forward to whenever that moment comes. But in the meantime, this philosophy I have, this concept that I have of, you know, what we were, we've been talking about, I can't wait to see what it's going to help me do next and what kind of help I'm going to be able to not only offer other people, but the quality of life I'm going to enjoy. Like one of the things that when you shift to a more spiritual viewpoint of yourself and you stop thinking so much, here's what goes away. You have less and less moments to the point where you'll totally eliminate them. Your responses of mental fear, your responses of mental anger, mental anxiety, mental stress, mental worry, mental hatred. It's all a tr it's all triggered by your thinking and right. philosophy to control life. When you right. get away from that being a goal in your life anymore and you shift, it all goes away. They no longer plague your life. Now, when you shift into a more spiritual viewpoint, you have more moments where you're enjoying a state of peace, a state of quietness, a state of stillness. You're going to have more moments of personal enlightenment. You're going to be inspired all the time. You're going to feel a unity, a oneness, a harmony. But that energy, that healing energy that you're going into is going to make your body live longer and you're going to have less ailments inside of all your in your physical body. You're going to have a right. greater quality of life. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it. yeah. I mean, it almost makes you feel like you shouldn't be sad when someone passes or even or you know what I mean? Like yes. or even or yes. even my even I, I have a lot of thoughts like, oh, my God, I'm in my late 50s and I haven't accomplished what I want to do. And and I'm afraid of death without accomplishing what I need to do. Maybe I can let that go because. There is more to, to life than this, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's a relief. Yes. And I think that's a big part of what you said, Danny, is to live this life in such a way you're not you're not being too serious about it. Care, but don't care too much. Right. To focus on a goal where you're just becoming more of what you spiritually already are and allow yourself to be inspired what the next step is going to be. And accept that as a higher guidance that's been predestined to work out for yourself. That means happiness and a better quality of life. 
it's the it's one of the hardest things to do is surrender soul control and ownership over your life. It's one of the greatest things you'll ever do for yourself when you no longer try to live your life on your own, on your own. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Do, do you think souls have a goal when they're up there? Are they still working on a goal or they just want to have peace and that's their goal? Maybe you re you receive, you know, like I'm um, here when you quiet your thinking um, and you shift, you get a reward of a natural state of peace. You never yeah. want to leave that. Right. Once you have it and you have the ability to maintain it, like it's something that never leaves me. And you never want it to go away. Now yeah. magnify that a thousand times when you don't have a physical body anymore and you've ascended. You yeah. never, ever want to leave that. But at right. the very same time, there's a purpose. We need to evolve. We need to become more of what we spiritually already are, more of God. I always say it's more of God. Yeah. And so if beyond this physical lifetime, there's other life experiences, maybe different planets or different dimensions that our spirit is going to participate in that I just can't see. Yeah. Do you think there's something like romantic love up there in the in the afterlife? Yeah, there's um there's love, but not on a physical level. That sucks because I, I need to have more romantic love. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I gotta get busy here. <laughs> well, you and you know. <laughs> and you know what's cool about it is all the things that trigger that romantic love, you know, um, whatever hormones that you have, they're all gone. They don't have it anymore. You don't have that desire anymore. You don't have the desire. Uh, spirits don't want to have sex with each other. And yeah, correct. Well, so because there's a there's a harmony, there's a unity, but there's well, it's like the sense of like like say you're talking about a physical orgasm, a yeah. sense of a sense of that on the other side, like in a spiritual form, is accomplished by the spiritual unity. So it's just different than the physical thing, but it doesn't mean it's not to the same magnitude when you create a unity with someone. So right. it's cool. Right. It's cool. So you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about premature <laughs> orgasms. <laughs> um, man, there's, this is a great conversation. I don't, wanna, I don't want to keep you here forever, but um, I enjoyed I, it. Yeah. No. Do you want to, do you want to share a few stories uh, that are stand out to you? as just miracles that you've witnessed you don't have to but no you, sh you shared would, something yeah i would love to i would okay. love to i have uh i have like some uh there's so many stories i've i've done since 15 years of doing this probably over 40,000 readings and so i have hundreds of just amazing what i consider to be like stories that are personal miracles yeah i mean you have you have amazing jerusalems right oh like, my <laughs> right that's what happened to me um, um, and a lot of them are just, a lot of them are just so healing for us, um, because they're so, they have this, such a, an aha moment about them that it's, it's just, it's just incredible. So, um, let me, let me, let me share the one that I shared a little while ago with you, with you when yeah. we were talking. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I'm doing an event and as I'm doing messages from people's loved ones in spirit, there's probably like 40 people in the room and I turn to a woman and I become aware of a presence, a fatherly presence standing behind her. And this fatherly presence is sharing the name of John with me. And it's so strong that I'm saying it's his name because very often it, it might be the name of you know, his brother in spirit, it might be the name of his son that he wants to talk to. So it's part of learning to interpret it all. So I shared it with her. 
And she says, absolutely not. My father hasn't passed away and his name isn't John. And I called her a liar. So, and I, and I find myself doing this in my events all the time, but I don't do it in such a way where I'm being critical of people. I try to do it in a humorous way. Right. And so she laughs and I said, wait, your father's alive. I can see this guy is plain as day standing behind her. And he's saying this again. I'm her father and my name is John. So in front of 40 people, and now everybody's going like, oh, this guy's terrible, this guy. So I said again, I said, You're f that doesn't make any sense to you. She says, nope, my father's alive. I talked to him this morning. She goes, unless he died five minutes ago, and she's making a joke about the whole thing, and his name's not John. I said, okay. I said, I'm differing with you. Please write it down. And uh, and just just remember what I'm saying. So then afterwards like an aunt and a grandmother comes through and so many amazing details where she's just in tears that had an effect on her because she's gone. How can I be this accurate with these other two people and not her father? Exactly. So she goes home. And again, as you're doing this, you're working in harmony to create a spiritual need that's people, people have. So she needed to hear this but now it's working in harmony. So she's being inspired to do something and she does it, but she, she takes a DNA test. Right. And she does it with her entire family, her mother, her father, her brothers, sisters. And it comes back where her father isn't connected to her. There's no DNA connection. And she goes, no way. So she takes another one and the same thing doesn't come back to, she has a connection a biological connection to her father. So she pulls her mother aside quietly, separately from everyone else and says, mom, I took this DNA. We have this, our DNA results. And is dad really my dad? And she says, sit down. I have something to tell you. Now this lady's like in her late thirties or forties. And she explains to her that at an earlier age, they broke up. The man that's been her father for the past 30, 40 years took on that role, but that's not her real biological father. And a short time ago, he passed. And she says to his mom, she said to her mom, is his name John? And she says, yes. How do you know that? Yeah. So yeah. here's this guy that was speaking the truth because they don't have a brain and wanted her to know it was time to know that he was in spirit. He was the biological father and actually gave his name. So then she learns his last name from the mom. She does some research, finds him, finds the family that he had, a wife and children contacted them. And they became like one big family afterwards. They wow. got together. They shared stories. They told her about his life, you know, when she wasn't around. So she then comes to another event unbeknownst to me and he comes through again points her out all the way in the back room says my name is john i'm your father and as i'm about to go into it all she stands up and she says i have a story to tell you and she tells everyone wow this whole story yeah coolest wow. thing right? uh, unbelievable that that coolest beats that, that beats my jerusalem story <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, that's incredible that's uh, that's that, I mean, thank you for sharing that. It's uh, it's it's really you can't make this up. It's unbelievable. It's it, and it's and it's so great because you know when I share this when I have these stories and that's like one of like a whole bunch. But when you share these stories, like you said, it's just a moment that 
these things should happen if it's really true. And they yeah. do. If it's really, really true that we're in spirit and we have this communication and I'm demonstrating this communication that we all have, that I'm just showing faith in it. That's exactly what we should see. And that's what, and, and that's, what's so cool about it all. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really unbelievable. And, and my, my goal which I think we accomplished was to kind of get as specific as possible about all this stuff and to, cause there's a lot of skepticism out there, but you answered everything so beautifully and I just feel so peaceful right now. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Can, no, I, can yeah. I compliment you too? Like yeah. I, I've done, you know, a bunch of podcasts and interviews and, and I just want to say how much I thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you. It was a real, real pleasure. So thank you so much. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I have no, I mean, I had an agenda, but I just love to have conversations fold organically. And I think you, I don't have an agenda. I don't make money on the podcast. I just want to talk to, you know, amazing people. And uh, uh, maybe we could do another one, but let's tell people um, you have a website. It's called uh, expandingthepresence.com. That is correct. Yes. Uh, I'm not psychic. I looked it up earlier. <laughs> uh, Rich, uh, you, you sell out a lot of seminars. I mean, I think a lot of them are sold out. Um, yeah, I've been, uh, I've been really, really blessed. And that's part of what we were saying, Danny, too, that if it's all really, really true, um, I don't really advertise, you know, um, besides on a Facebook page, it's all organically grown. I started yeah. 15 years ago, but for the past three years, over the past three years, I've done anywhere between eight and 14 events a month, and probably like 95% of them have all sold out in the last three years doing that many events. So yeah. I'm, I'm super grateful. Yeah. And I would encourage people to go see you because you shared with me that you might be live, leaving New Jersey. Uh, That's true. This is my last year. Yeah. In New Jersey. Yeah. I mean, uh, I can understand that, but you're going to a place where a lot of people don't go to. <laughs> going to Kentucky. Yes. Yes. And you had, you told me that you had a vision of going to Kentucky and that's, I, I said, if, if, if you have a vision of going to Kentucky, it must be a very strong vision. <laughs> um, but I, I think I saw that some of them are not sold out. So if people want to check you out, they can look at the, at the website and, uh, you're going to be doing them until the summer, I imagine. There's a, there is, they usually, they sell out like 95% sell out. Um, if they're not sold out right now, I think I have, um, I think there's two events yeah. that aren't sold out. Yeah. Um, one is not listed as sold out, but it already is. I just have to change it. And the other one is three quarters sold out. And the last one is 80% sold out. So, right. Yeah. So yeah, if somebody wants to come to it, um, if somebody wants to come, one of it is a fundraiser for Amazing Mutt Puppy Rescue okay. in New Egypt and stuff. Yeah. So if somebody wants to donate um, or buy a ticket, it goes um, that that ticket, um, a portion or a big portion of that ticket goes to, to the puppy rescue. Yeah. And I think you shared with me that when you actually end up in Kentucky and starting a whole new chapter, you're not going to be doing uh, that many readings anymore. You're going to be working on other. Parts. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I really want to, I really, I, I, I'm being drawn to go into writing more books, doing mentoring sessions and speaking more online. Yeah. That's great. Cause you have a lot to share. And by the way, Rich has a book called Becoming More of God that's already published in Amazon. Yes. And Amazon. And um, okay. We did a lot. Stay with me for one second after we close. Cause I want to ask you something. Yes. Uh, uh, thank you so much, Rich. Maybe we could do this again before you go to Kentucky. Maybe. I would thoroughly enjoy it. Okay. So let me close and thank you so much. And stay with me for one second here.